Oh, by the way, I have something for you, Chris. You have a listener. He has a question, and he wants to know if you're when you were doing your Alex Jones impersonation, was it Alex Jones or was it uh, an uh, impersonation of Rick from Rick and Morty? I, <laughs> that's, a, <laughs> that's a good call. No, I, I appreciate that feedback because when I, when I listened to the playback, I, I said, this sounds more like Rick from Rick and Morty than Alex Jones. <laughs> I, I was thinking that exact same thing. Hello, my friends. Thank you for joining us for the PEPCAC podcast. The Information Security Show featuring some all-around good people. It is week 15 of 2023. I'm Chris Louie. And back from rainy San Diego, so my audio should be back to normal. With me, I have Duke Silver, who's an absolute Smash Mouth super fan. So you know who's not a Smash Mouth super fan? My daughter, who... The backstory on this is that I recorded picking up my daughter from school with blasting... The song like i don't even know the name of the song all star yeah. yeah all star and she like was so just mortified by it so I, I ended up posting it on instagram but i also posted it on facebook and i was like you know i talked to her I was like yeah you know whatever like this is this friends and family she's like yeah that's fine and then yesterday i, I logged into facebook and what i realized is that instagram is private but facebook is public and the, the oh. video has over 50,000 views. Now. <laughs> it's gone viral <laughs> already. <laughs> yeah. But she's cool Jabber. about it. Yeah. She's a superstar. <laughs> she's a superstar. Very embarrassed superstar, that's for sure. Do you post under the nickname The Hot Dad? No, but I should. <laughs> Nobody will believe me if I actually say that. That's the only problem. And we're welcoming welcoming back Handless this week, who was cheering for his number 16C to go all the way in March Madness this year. Hello, Gimpy. Yeah, thanks, guys. Finally got the cast off this, this the other day, and it's it's really nice to have movement, um, as little as it is, but at least uh, I've got the cast off. But yeah, I, I, who would ever know, for those of you who, who follow College Hoops, that San Diego State would make it to... You know, the final round. Unbelievable. Granted, I don't win? think they'll ever be able to make it again. No, they, they got beat so bad. Oh, so, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Like the, Still proud like, of them. What do you mean by the final round? Like, the they went to the championship game or, like, the final four? Yeah, final they four. Went, they went to the championship game. Yeah. Wow. Good for them. Yeah. Yeah. They made it past the final four into the final game and lost by, I'd say, 20 points or something like that. It was it's a real insane. Cinderella story. Old-fashioned yeah. spanking. Yeah. Yeah. Unlike but hey, they weren't supposed to make it that far to begin with, so kudos to them. Yeah. It's true. Unlike my alma mater, Cal Poly, it was probably seven years ago or so. Cal Poly made it to just to the tournament. Just to get to the tournament was an achievement. And then I think we were ranked number 32 playing against ranked number one Kansas, and we got absolutely destroyed that game. But it was nice that nice to say that we at least made it to the tournament. There was an Ivy League school that made it past the first round, I heard. So yeah. that was a funny one. Yeah. Did you see the guy that uh, all he does is he, he bets on the underdogs for the for the entire tournament? I think he's like, like he'll place like a $100 bet on every underdog game and he doesn't win them all. But when he does win, I think he finished yeah, he, like, he pays like up 1300 Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I have a funny well, this year was the year for underdogs, though. There was a lot of underdog wins. 
have a funny gambling story similar to that. I was I was in Vegas for my bachelor party, and it was the year after the New Orleans Saints had won the Super Bowl. So the playoff game was the New Orleans Saints versus the Seattle Seahawks, and the Seattle Seahawks was the worst his worst team in history to make to the playoffs. They were seven and six that year, but everyone else in their league was so much worse. So it was the best team in the league playing against the worst team in the league. And it was they were offering ten to one odds for the Seahawks to win, and I'm like, oh, ten to one, I'll give it a shot. So I put some money on it, and then that was when Marshawn Lynch had that crazy rushing touchdown, and and the Seahawks ended up winning. So I won ten x my money on that. How much did you bet? A dollar, point, <laughs> Chris. Big money. I, I report all my winnings to the IRS. I'll just put that out there. <laughs> Mysterious Chris. Nuggets this week combined, we have decades of information security experience and here not just to educate, but to entertain. We've got four awesome stories for you this week. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Don't forget to check out our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash at Pebcac Podcast. The episodes go up every week the same time it gets posted to our your favorite podcasting app. This week, we're going to close the loop on a story we covered two years ago open with Microsoft being evil again, Microsoft closing another attack vector, a botnet comes back from the grave. For our third topic, we'll cover how the breached form admin got popped, and we'll close with Legoland talk. Chris, how much sleep do you get on average every night? I don't know, like five hours maybe? Yeah, I would have ventured that guess. How about you, Glenn? Uh, how much I think Chris gets or how much sleep I you. get? Yeah. I'm probably, I'm a little older now, so I'm averaging about six. So. Okay, all right. I just, between all the stuff that Chris does, now he's got the, the damn video game footage. I'm like, how do you have time to play video games? I don't even have time to play video games. <laughs> yeah, On top of everything else. Now, now you have two hours worth of content, you crazy person. I couldn't, yeah. I couldn't, try. I couldn't play video games if I wanted to, huh? Vertigo so bad. And your hand well, is your hands are <laughs> Yeah. It I could play Atari. I could, <laughs> I could play Atari and Pong real easily though. Play some Pong. <laughs> or maybe eating corn on the cob the long way. Yeah, oh. you butter it. <laughs> butter the corn. Christmas that. I know exactly <laughs> what you were cool. saying. I was just resisting. No, it was like during, there was like a WWE match back in the day, and some dude had a sign that said, I think it was Goldberg eats corn the long way. (laughs) (laughs) Stuck with me all these years. It's a high class insult. Yeah. Uh, Closing the loop. Oh, closing the loop. (laughs) We normally don't do closing the loop anymore, but this one was just too fantastic not to cover. Remember that story about Oldsmar, Florida, where the hacker allegedly used TeamViewer to increase the amount of lye in the city's drinking water by a factor of 11,000? I think I called out sick that day. I don't remember this. Well, that turned out to be utter and complete BS. Hmm. The former city manager for Oldsmar came out and said it was not hacking-related, but rather human error, more specifically an employee of the water treatment plant. The city manager knew it at the time, and he tried to tell anyone who would listen, but the media and the FBI got a hold of the hacker story and ran with it. 
So it turns out America's water supply is not under attack by hackers. However, having read-write access to TeamViewer with a single password for all users that is not regularly rotated is still a bad practice. So if anything, it shined a light on poor security practices. I guess this is good news. What would happen if it actually went up to 11,000? Like Walking Dead scenario or just people are using the restroom a little bit more? No, I think he's saying that it was increased to 11,000, but it wasn't a hacker that did it. It was a human error that still increased it to 11,000, right? Yeah, they increased it, and then like less than a minute later, they changed it back. So the, the original yeah, story was the hacker got in, changed it, someone saw it, and then changed it back. But at the time, they said there's multiple safeguards in place, even if the lie got in the water. They have downstream testing facilities that would have caught it and stopped it before anyone got to drink it. My sounds delicious. That's the stuff they used in The Wire. When they killed someone in the vacants, they poured lye on the body to decompose it or something like that. Isn't that when you, like, uh, that's been on several, it's not like when you put them in a Pulp bathtub. Fiction. Yeah, Pulp Fiction, they used that, right? A couple yeah. movies, use lye. For our first topic, in an odd turn of events, Microsoft announced it will begin a process to block emails that originate from vulnerable vulnerable versions of Microsoft Exchange. In the so-called Inform, Restrict, and Block program, Microsoft hopes to rid the internet of vulnerable versions and out-of-support versions of on-premises Exchange. These include up to Exchange 2013, which will become end of support this month. The change affects emails that originate from a vulnerable version of Exchange delivered to a Microsoft-hosted version of email, such as Outlook Online or Microsoft 365. Microsoft will first inform recipients that the emails will soon stop flowing until the sender upgrades the Exchange server. Next, Microsoft will inform and insert a delay in delivering the email until the final stage where Microsoft will outright block the email. Microsoft claims this is to rid the internet of vulnerable exchange servers. We have seen multiple attacks originate from vulnerable exchange servers with exploits like Proxy Shell and Proxy Not Shell to completely own companies or allow governments to gain initial access into the organization. This change would force companies to upgrade or risk getting their emails blocked. You hear that, Hillary Clinton? You can't have an exchange at home that's unpatched. A non-premises uh, one. <laughs> Glenn went there. What a hostile way of forcing people to get off of old crap and go to M365. Yeah, that's that's the pessimist way of looking at this, is that you're forcing companies to upgrade current software and pay for maintenance, even though they have a perfectly functioning version of Exchange on-prem, and they're not offering any kind of free upgrade plan or migration plan, so companies will just have to bear the cost of that migration or risk getting their emails blocked. It doesn't seem like that big of a deal, but there's like literally, there's got to be like thousands upon thousands of companies that hired some nerd from the local community college to install like a, an exchange server, right? And then it's been 10 years, they haven't touched it. They have they have no idea. Yeah. What the heck's going on? Be interesting to what see would, how many are out there. What would you guys do in this scenario? Would you just say, screw it, dump Microsoft and just go to a different type of email service? Yeah, probably, if you had the capability to. So a lot of these small, medium-sized businesses, these mom-and-pop shops, they don't, they can't do that or just, yeah, just migrate to Gmail at that point. 
Yeah. It was a, he had mass, you have to do, you have to, mass exodus. So if you pay for Gmail, like if you go to G Suite, do they still, are you, I mean, technically you're, you're not, you're, it's no longer free. So do they keep their mitts out of it or are they still harvesting all that information? No, paid Gmail. So there's paid personal Gmail and then there's Google Workspace, which is the enterprise company version of it. Those versions do not data mine you, which I actually learned a really interesting fact about data mine Gmail. I think I want to save it for a topic for two weeks from now, but we'll put a pin in that Ooh, okay. one. But yeah, I learned something interesting about that. That it's not quite so secure. <laughs> hint, hint. I'm not just kidding. It's how, yeah, how they harvest your data. Yeah. All right. That'll be a good one. I, I, I don't understand, guys. How, how I, I guess, you know, the, the emails are out of, the, the systems are outside of the Microsoft purview, right? I mean, how would you end up blocking that? Because it's just a transport on the, on the exchange server that connects out to the internet on it with a, with a, with an MX list, right? So how do you, how do you functionally block that? Maybe I'm missing something. Well, it's in the headers. It's in the email headers. There's probably some type of header that's there. Yeah. 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 He used to do it. And then since Microsoft's the recipient, they could read the header and then choose to block it based on that. What if they're not? What if they, what if you're forwarding your exchange services to another company other than Microsoft? Then it's fine. It's only, it's only going to get blocked if the recipient has Outlook.com or Microsoft 365, which is a lot of companies out there. Oh, gotcha. Gotcha. Or it wouldn't even be either one of those. Like if it was BrianDeach.com, but it was hosted in M365, in theory, they would block it there too. Yeah. yeah. Talk about disrupting business, man. This doesn't piss off a lot of people. Yeah. it's. I mean, it's similar to like the Oracle model. Remember, or was, was it Oracle or was it SCP? There was some company that had legacy on-prem software and every year they would like double the maintenance on the on-prem version trying to get people to move the cloud and there's some people that still pay it they said it's worth it to double every year and keep it on-prem it's going to be such a hassle to migrate it but this is much more draconian that first you get an email delay and then outright block what was the other email gateway that was out there for a while it just it, it still won't die. Yeah, Lotus Notes. Jeez. Lotus Locutus Notes. Locutus Notes. <laughs> wow. They they had done some Blast wacko stuff. Yeah, they did some wacko stuff at US Airways when I was there that they were using for, for Lotus Notes. Like it was like homegrown applications built into it. I don't know if it was like a collaboration thing, but I remember like it was this it was some apps that just wouldn't die that just lingering out there forever. Like Lotus, like that's, four dot one. It's like <laughs> that's the same. Yeah, I worked for a company that got acquired, and the acquiring company was on Lotus Notes, and they had twenty plus years of in-house apps developed for Lotus Notes, and we were all screaming we wanted to get onto Outlook or Exchange because Lotus Notes was terrible, and then they eventually switched us over to Outlook and Exchange, but we still had to keep the Lotus Note Notes app on our computer because if you wanted to request like you want even a help desk ticket that was through lotus notes if you wanted a new monitor that was a requisition order through lotus notes so there's just so much legacy stuff in there do you guys ever use bmc magic for a help desk no never had the pleasure yeah it wasn't a pleasure that thing was a steaming pile of junk man wow big old and even the look on glenn's face when i said that he <laughs> there was some pain <laughs> behind that 
Yeah, I there. forgot what we had. It was a thick client application, and it, it was also from this company that had 20-year-old tech. I can't remember it off the top of my head, but yeah, it, it was awful. It was like, it began with an R, anymore. right? It began with an R. It was like Rendezvous or... Remedy? Remedy. That's the one. I think that was still BMC. They, that was the the next version after Magic. I think Remedy came out. That was a little bit better. <laughs> Maybe that's why I was like that. Ugh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Ew. All right. For second topic, a story I've been following, but we have not talked about here on the podcast yet, is the rise in <clears throat> malicious Microsoft OneNote files. During the SE training here, I talked about the evolution of malware and how attackers are using Microsoft Office documents embedded with macros until Microsoft started disabling macros by default. Then attackers switched to Excel XLL macro files, then Microsoft disabled those by default. Now attackers are using malicious OneNote files with the same clever social engineering tricks to get someone to double-click on the embedded content in the document. OneNote files have so far evaded most email filtering software, so you need a true file-type control solution to examine the magic byte and block those files. There are not a lot of legitimate uses of OneNote files that I am aware of. And in a related story, our good friend Emotet is back. Emotet took a three-month break at the end of 2022 and has come back with a vengeance utilizing spam email and OneNote attachments as its spreading mechanism. No word on what the final stage payload is this time around, but reports are coming in that it drops Cobalt Strike beacons for command and control. If you remember, Emotet started as a banking trojan to steal user banking details, then pivoted into ransomware when it became more profitable. Can you cut in every time you say trojan, the trojan man, like in the <laughs> post edit? Because I think that'd be pretty rad. Hey, good for Emotet, you know, take a little three-month sabbatical. I wish I could have done that. They probably went on nice. vacation. <laughs> Took all the, the money. Waxy. To- that's, took, that's the only place they can vacation. Otherwise, took, they're going to get arrested on site. Yeah, took took all the money they had and just said, ah, we're good for the next three months. Let's just party down. If you guys could go anywhere for three months, where would it be? I'm okay with being at home for three months. So. <laughs> <laughs> all right, Glenn. Old man checking in. Like, anywhere with stare at the beach. wall looking for answers. Are you talking about money, Caribbean. no money, or just sky's the limit? Yeah. Sky's the limit. You got three months. You got to go one place. Oh, I go one place. Yeah, I'd probably be on a beach in Hawaii. Yeah, Hawaii. I think Hawaii, Caribbean, somewhere nice. Now, Caribbean sounds too hot. I'd be fine with Caribbean. You'd be fine with Caribbean? All right. Aruba. I've been to Aruba. Aruba's nice. Yeah, Dominican okay. Republic was nice. Yeah, I've been to Aruba. I spent months there. It's okay. <laughs> I guess yeah, maybe three months it might get old. Two weeks was good. Yeah. yeah. How I'm about going you, to America's butthole? Yeah, no Gallus, Arizona. No Gallus, Arizona. So <laughs> <laughs> you just spent three months. That's oddly I, call it, <laughs> I said it's America's butthole, but it's more like California's butthole. But no, I'm just kidding. I want to go there. I would probably be like you guys, probably the beach or I don't know, maybe somewhere very mountainous. I'd like Bend, maybe Banff. 
just go out there have a good old time go visit yeah. kevin anyways we're talking about one note guys can you please stay on topic i swear to god every week you just out of nowhere just random thoughts chris chris is just picking on microsoft this week yeah it's on? me it's always making a left turn forcing us to digress on the podcast yeah so i don't think i've even ever used one note and if someone sent me a link to it i'd probably just delete it like get the hell out of here with your nonsense <laughs> nobody needs one note got google keep for that yeah, I, I use OneNote. Um, I don't, you know, there's a couple, but I use OneNote, but I don't open any email anyway, regardless of who it's from on any links. So even you, Brian, I would not open an email from you. You can't get <laughs> hacked if you never read is. your email. That's right. <laughs> yeah, so, there, there was some breaking are, news. I think it came out maybe yesterday, but Microsoft does plan to ban 120 different file types from OneNote. So we're once again... Stuck in this trace buster, buster, buster scenario, and we'll have to see how the attackers change and adapt to spread their malware once these new file types are blocked. What's new? Access? Are they going to block access file types? <laughs> yeah, pretty much. <laughs> I, Is that still I'll around? You guys. <laughs> I, I believe so strongly in in the, the product that we use, well, that me and Chris use, that I click on everything. I don't even care. I'm just curious. I'm like, I wonder if we're going to block this, right? And I, I just, psh, let's just go for it. I am the terrible person, but, you know, whatever. You're, you stand you, behind You do your, that on your, your production product. machine. That's what you're saying. You don't. I, ha- I, I have a computer that is not tied to anything personal or work-related that I will just forward that stuff over there and then I'll just, Go ahead and click on it and see what happens. Go wild. Well, yeah, but okay, so now, now you have a you have a sandbox computer that you use. You're not using your your work or your personal banking computer to open links. Yeah, well, here's the thing. So, like, I would do the work one because I do believe in it, but then I want to be that one dude that clicked the red team link that got sent <laughs> out. You know, like, man, he's on the the wall of sheep. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, speaking of sheep, Chris was at new hire again this week. Never mind, we'll leave that. That was a new hire. I was presenting. Oh, by the way, I have something for you, Chris. You have a listener. You might have to edit this, but uh, he has a question. And he wants to know if you're, when you're doing your Alex Jones impersonation. Yeah, you know, the Bilderberg group, they they control the world's money. So you you really got to take this seriously. They're trying to pull the wool over your eyes. Was it Alex Jones or was it? Uh, an uh, impersonation of Rick from Rick and Morty. I <laughs> that's a that's a good call out. No, I, I appreciate that feedback because when I, when I listen to the playback, I I said this sounds more like Rick from Rick and Morty than Alex Jones. <laughs> I, I was thinking that exact same thing. All right, so kudos all right, to that, that nice. listener out there that has has a good listen ear for that. Alex Jones impressions and Rick and Morty. So that's a very rare cross section that you get both. Right for our third topic, this was a listener-submitted topic. The U.S. FBI was able to track down the administrator of breach forms through very, very poor OPSEC. In order to prove that this breach forms facilitated the sale and purchase of stolen and hacked data, FBI undercover agents purchased five sets of data and verified that the data in those purchased data sets matched the data stolen in the breaches. Breach Forms was basically a marketplace where you could buy and sell stolen data, data from data breaches, data dumps, and the like. 
So the way they found this guy, first they got the IP address that this person, this, this admin used to access raid forms, which raid forms was the predecessor of breach forms, which raid forms was seized by the FBI about a year ago, April, 2022 in a private message on raid forms. He messaged another user saying that the stolen data set he purchased was incomplete because he searched for his own email address and he typed it in this PM private message, Connor Fitzpatrick, O2 at gmail.com. In the data set was it was in the data set he found it on have i been pwned but it was not included in the data set that he bought so he knew that his own email had been compromised from have i been pwned but it didn't show up in the data set he bought so he knew it was incomplete and he complained about it the email address connor fitzpatrick 2002 at gmail.com had a recovery email address linked to an ip address registered to someone else with the same last name but a different phone number which turned out to be his dad he also used a service to buy physical goods with his stolen or the Bitcoin he got from selling stolen data and the email address and the IP addresses used to access those sites were tied back to him and the physical goods were shipped directly to him. I could go on and on more about OPSEC fails, but you see where this is going. So you would never get caught doing this because you always use your VPN because you're a good old boy. <laughs> yeah. And uh, one of the things that we had seen <clears throat> in the Darknet Diaries episode that you shared with me is the the fact that Bitcoin is anonymous until you start doing things that are not anonymous. So if you go out and mine your own stuff, you're good, your own wallet. But the moment you decide to go to an exchange and take a USD and convert it for something like that, your identity is now on there and it's tied to you. And it's so traceable. It's it's such a cluster F. That's for sure. So is the trick then not to exchange it for for other for dollars and just keep it in Bitcoin, in, in exchange yeah. for other Bitcoin? Yeah. Yep. That's usually yep. the vast majority of people get caught when they purchase Bitcoin. Like you know, you go on Coinbase and you buy Bitcoin, or you get all the stolen Bitcoin and you try to cash out. And some people try to get clever. They try to use a Tumblr, but Tumblrs are not as secure as people originally thought. But yeah, that's the vast majority of people get caught when they're cashing in or cashing out. That's when the KYC, the know your customer protocols kick in. Have you guys ever gone to a website that's been seized by the FBI and you're like, Oh shoot. I mean like Ashley Madison. Or... <laughs> <laughs> I don't think that was actually that was seized. seized. I, no, there's like breach forums no. or one of those. I've been to those websites. Just, I would, I just want to see what the splash page looks like, but I've never, mm -hmm been a member of a site that got seized i think it happened twice one of them didn't th the pirate bay get seized at one point yes time and they came back correct yeah. pirate bay did yeah yeah so like you chris was just out of curiosity what does it look like and the other one <laughs> was research. oink yeah i think it was oink.cd or just oink cd i can't remember what it was but it was a site that it was like like you, you were Invite only, and the only way you can download is if you shared. And it was all music or comedy and stuff like that. Yeah. And then one day it was just seized by the by them. I remember seeing that splash page. MPAA, wow. yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Those yep. private trackers they track how much you upload. So they don't want all these leechers on there, just you know, taking but not giving. So going back to the uh, the Bitcoin stuff, uh, as the three of us have all purchased some type of cryptocurrency through an exchange. It's it's not 
anonymous whatsoever, right? Like, no, there is something. Tra- it is irrefutable evidence <laughs> in the blockchain that you can that will never be uh, untraceable. All right, for our last topic, and it will be a rotating topic every week. This week, I wanted to talk about my trip to Legoland and leisure vacation in general. So, not to exclude you guys, so you guys can participate as well. I went to Legoland, which is near San Diego, California. It's about 40 minutes north of there. I rented a car, drove up there. And there are a couple of things I wanted to talk about I thought was interesting. So first, the cutting in line policy. So theme parks have like a pay-to-play type thing. Like if you pay a fee, then you get to go to the express line or the rapid line and you don't have to wait as long. But Legoland has a tiered system. So it's per person. So for 25 bucks, your weight gets cut in by 25% for 50 bucks a person, your weight gets cut by 50%. And then for a hundred bucks, no weight at all. And this is per person in addition to your uh, park admission. That's the first time I've been to a place that had tiered admission. It's usually you have it or you don't like Disney had the genie plus pass and that was it. You either had it or you don't. This one is actually tiered. So I guess they check and then they let you cut depending on how much money you give them. So, I'm kind of with you. I haven't, I've never done Legoland. I don't know how I feel about paying extra. We've always done it. One thing I would say is uh, uh, like most recently going to Disney world, they still have like their express passes and whatnot, but they, they figured it out. Um, they do like, you can actually do reservations without, I think without having like an express pass into certain, you know, legs of Disney world. And it's a, it's a, it's a great way of, uh, managing the crowd. So back in the day where I felt like I was spending a couple hours for a single ride, like I didn't have that experience at all. Right. Which was which like a was virtual kind of queue. Yeah. Kind of like a virtual, yeah. Thank you. A virtual queue, which made it a lot better. And then I, I think back of like Walt Disney and who he was in the matter. And unfortunately I can't go back in time to when he first opened up the park and I don't know that people were standing in line for hours on end back then, but I don't think he would have been about that. So I don't think he, like, I think he would have been like, Hey, listen, there's a finite amount of tickets to get in. Um, if we're really that popular, we just need to build more theme parks. And then I don't think he would do a, a pay to play. Like if you want to cut lines, we'd pay extra. I don't, I don't see him doing that. And yeah. last but not least, the quality of the Disney parks kind of gone in the trash can. I felt like back in the day, like it was immaculate. Like it was just phenomenal. There wasn't a single light bulb out. And now nowadays, yeah. like it's this, it's kind of junk. Like it needs, it needs to be touched up with some paint. And I, I think if he was still alive, things would be a lot different. You think it's like Knott's Berry Farm now, right? When you go over there and just looks ratty. Is it old? <laughs> I haven't been. Yeah. No. So. Yeah. When I went to Disneyland, the one the the most popular ride was Star Wars: Rise of the Resistance, and I think I told you guys the hour the 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 wait was like four hours long. And when I talked <laughs> to other people that had ridden it, I didn't want to wait in that or pay for it to wait in that. They said that it's always breaking down. One of the reasons the line for that one is so long is just always breaking down. So just to your point, Brian, like a little bit better maintenance, design this a little bit better so it doesn't break down all the time, and maybe you won't end up with four hour lines. Maybe they do that just to keep the the stigma that it's a great ride. It's okay. Yeah, it's like, it's acceptable, sort of like right? The, the long line at the club to get in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I, I I I mean, I bought 
uh, you know, front of the line tickets when we went to Universal Studios in, in Florida. I thought it was great, but man, it was really pricey to get to the front of the line. But it's a yeah. uh, it's a tax on the rich, right? And like I said, I, I had to save, you know, several years for that in order to, to use it. What about the people that don't don't have that type of resources and, you know, they're trying to just enjoy their day at a theme park and they're spending hundreds of dollars already inside of the park just to get in. And now, you know, you get people that just because they have a little bit more monetarily, they can do that. I just don't think it's right. They're, yeah. They're waiting in the back That's of the line Walt with me. Said. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But anyways, yeah. Chris, so, did, so you cool. got in okay uh, without your kids into Legoland? Because I know they have that policy, no adults. Oh, no, no we, we took the kids. It was, it was, it was, we took the whole family. Yeah, no. I'll pull it. I, I wouldn't go there on my own. <laughs> but you do like it. You're the Lego guy, right? Not your kids. No, we, we do it as a family. Yeah, oh, we like yeah. it. You can't do Legos as a family. That's stupid. <laughs> you do it as like parent kid. Like you do, do it together. I have a question for you guys. How is Rise of the Resistance like CrossFit? How? I don't know because I've never ridden Rise of the Resistance. <laughs> People won't shut up about how great it is. That's <laughs> <laughs> true. All right, second item on my list. Uh, we okay. stayed at the Legoland Hotel on premises, which is cool. It it actually is really cool. Everything's Lego themed. They have scavenger hunts. They have like tons and tons of stuff for the kids to do there. You get in the park an hour early, so it, it was cool. Uh, was the one... bed really hard? <laughs> the bed was not. The bed was fine. <laughs> <laughs> bed made of Legos. <laughs> yeah. So the kids have <laughs> the kids have a bunk bed with the trundle bed in a separate part of the hotel so there is some level of privacy separating the kids from the parents that they're in two different sides of the hotel room um, but the wi-fi so the wi-fi there you have to register for it and then you have to give them your email address you have to opt into their mailing list you have to opt in allowing them to contact you and then even if you give them a fake email they do the trick where it says you have to check your email within five minutes, click on the link to prove that it's it's you. So I, I tend to not like those kinds of things. So uh, pro tip out for you guys and the listeners, there are two services that I use. One's called Mailinator and one's called 10 Minute Mail, where you can generate an email address, give it to these people that want to vacuum your data click the link and then it's a public email box and then you just go there and then it gives you an email address and says this this email address is good for 10 minutes go wild and then in 10 minutes this thing's going to get destroyed so that's really all you need just set up a 10 minute mail have this registration link sent there click it and then you're good yeah 10 minutes is more than enough time (laughs) (laughs) sounds awesome so you didn't even try using like a duck email those are pretty cool too it is, but then they then they just they'll just constantly spam you, and then I have to manually turn it off. So like, no, I'm not even going to give them the mm-hmm. satisfaction of getting my real email. So I just used a 10 minute mail address, click the link, and it was that email address was gone in 10 minutes. Nice. Look at you, gaming the system. It's also useful for like free trial stuff. That's you know limit one per email address. You could do it there. A lot of like cloud hosting providers will block it out because they know about it, but some of the lesser known services will, you could use this for registration there. Use the iCloud one too. Oh yeah. The hide my email. Yeah. So it, yeah. good point. Yeah. So it, this is very similar to the hide my email before that became popular. Okay. So do you have one that hides VoIP? Cause you know how you can register for some services and they want you to use a phone number. 
And it's like, okay, I'll use my VoIP number. And they're like, no, we need an actual phone number. This looks to be a VoIP number. And I'm like, crap. Yeah, Google Voice is is like that. I I don't personally have. I'm trying to think. No, I don't think I do. Yeah, yeah it's, it's just I just have Google Voice. Yeah. The other interesting thing about Legoland, so both the hotel and the park, they're completely cashless now. You cannot spend cash on on these properties. Everything's credit card only. So what they did was throughout the park and the hotel, they had these stations where you could buy a prepaid credit card using cash. For a fee, of course. But I thought that was exchange interesting rate. that they... <laughs> what? What did you say, Brian? I said exchange rate. Exchange rate, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I thought I, that was interesting that this is a, this is a truly cashless property. Yeah, so I, oh. I I know why. Did you, like... So I used to work at a theme park called... Uh, was it? It was called... Uh, uh, what was it called? Uh, it was built. It was in Red River. It was, uh, it was kind of the equivalent to SeaWorld. It was Mar- Marine World Africa USA. Marine World. Yeah. So they had yeah. moved to Vallejo. I had worked there for a couple seasons. And then after I had left, um, the gaming section got busted for stealing money. They were basically <laughs> uh, taking cash because it was a cash gaming facility. And people yeah. would put money inside there. They would give toys away. So now there's no touching of the cash anymore in that facility. Either they've moved away from that, gone to something like a credit card as well. But yeah, no more, no more than that because I think that they they it, like stolen several thousands of dollars, you know, in that yeah, facility. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Same thing with the cable car. The cable cars in San Francisco up until maybe ten years ago, they accepted cash, and then yeah, they caught some of these cable car drivers stealing like a quarter million dollars in a year because you just said, "Oh, I had no fares today." And then you, you, it could have been crowded. There's, there's no auditing. There's no way to track that. Yeah. You just literally hand oh, yeah. the cable car operator a $5 bill and get on. Well, now I know how people live in or make a living in San Francisco. <laughs> I wonder. Yeah. Jeez Louise. And then we're coming up on time. So the last, last two things I want to comment on. So resort fees and parking fees, I think they're absolutely absurd. So the resort yeah. fee is dumb just make the hotel more expensive and not charge this ridiculous resort fee. Cause the only thing they give you is like bottled water, Wi-Fi. you know, the kids got a free soda or something. And, and that was, it. That, that was totally dumb. And then parking fees, just to self park. I, I, I get angry at this because I'll go to places that are like way far out in the sticks and it's just a self park lot. But yeah, sorry. T- parking is 25 bucks a day. Wait, what for what? <laughs> And yeah, like what, one of the places we stayed at was not even in the city, but it was $45 a, a night to self-park your car. Yeah, I think that has to do with how they break down what's like what you can write off, what you can't write off uh, instead of just putting it all in one fee. Because I, I, I say the same thing about college, like tuition should not have fees. Like, why would you charge me for a gym fee? My, you know, my kid for a gym fee, they don't even go to the gym, right? Why do you charge yeah. them for you know, whatever healthcare, they have their own healthcare, like, well, they need healthcare on campus. I'm like, but if there was a 911 emergency, you would call an ambulance and they would be carted off in an ambulance to the hotel, to the um, hospital that they... The hospital, yeah. Yeah, to the hospital, which they're covered anyway. So I, like I said, all these fees are just really weird. I think it's just a way to get around the system. I don't know what system that is, but man, shame on them. Is this the machine? They got to feed the machine. That's it. Yeah, exactly. I, I went to like a 
this is a long time ago, but I went on, on like a, a guided tour. So it was like, call it a thousand dollars. And they covered the hotel, the bus and everything. And then they would say, well, on top of that, well, now you have to pay for each attraction that we visit. Cause it implies it's all inclusive, but they're like, no, no, you have to pay for the entrance to the statue of Liberty. You have to pay your own way to the entrance of the empire state building. That's all pay on your own. And they said the reason for that is because, one company started doing that. Their price dramatically dropped. So everybody has to do that now. So their prices are competitive. So I think it's just a race to the bottom with these <laughs> stupid resort all, fees. All-inclusive means it has a chair for you to sit in. Exactly. In the bus. Yeah. yeah. Hey, I got one for you. This is a funny one. So I go to a concert with my wife. Um, and, uh, you know, it's, a, it's at a coliseum or a stadium someplace. And you got to drive in. And as you're driving in, there's a line, a queue line to get in. And the sign says $40 for parking. And you're like, this is ridiculous. But okay, I'm going to pay $40. So I tell my wife, hey, grab my credit card. Give it to me. And as we make it up close, we get to the guy. And the guy goes, $40. I said, man, there's no military discount? No none of that stuff? He goes, yeah, yeah, yeah. There's there's a cash discount. It's 20 bucks." And I'm like, 20 bucks? I got 20 <laughs> bucks, right? So I told my wife, hey, pull the 20 out of my wallet. And I give it to him. And when I give it to him... He pawns it, crushes it, makes it look like he swipes my card. And he goes, all right, you're good. <laughs> I was like, oh, this son of a gun. <laughs> Game the system. Game the system. Yeah. I'm like, I don't care. Guess you just made $20 an hour more. <laughs> yeah, I, it's okay because I only paid 20 bucks to get in. <laughs> so. Freaking Hopefully Glenn, Ticketmaster loses out. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. I... I to help wrap up this segment, I, I have a little fun fact. So do you guys know if you if you cry and the first tear comes out of your, your left eye, it's for sadness. But if you start to cry and it comes out of your right eye, it's because of happiness. And if you cry and it comes out of both eyes at the same time, it's because you stepped on a Lego. <laughs> nice. That's the dad Very joke? Is that... <laughs> no, that's not a dad joke. It's just, uh, that's a good one, though. Could be. It is. Well, speaking of dad jokes, we continue to get great comments about our dad joke of the week. Dad joke of the week. This week, I'm up. In following with the theme that we've had so far this episode, did you hear there's a sale down at the Lego store? People no. are lined up for blocks. Wah, wah, wah. <laughs> womp, womp. <laughs> womp, womp, womp. <laughs> All right, to wrap things up, Florida man's water is safe from hackers, but not safe from fat finger errors. Microsoft really wants people to upgrade their Exchange server. Microsoft is combating malware spread through OneNote. Breach Forum's admin had terrible OPSEC, and resort fees should be illegal. That's all I have for this week. We hope you enjoyed this week's episode. You can find us all on LinkedIn. Links will be in the description. Follow us on Instagram at Pebcac Podcast. Thank you to all our listeners and subscribers who rated us five stars in the iTunes store on Spotify and left us a review. We appreciate you all spreading the word to help grow the show. The best place to find us is to search for the Pebcac Podcast on your favorite podcast listening app. My co-host Brian Deach and Glenn Medina, I'm Chris Louie. Thanks for listening. We'll see you all next weekend. As always, have a nice day. Tell a friend or I will send a gangster over to your house to cut you can't threaten the listeners, Brian. They're not listening. <laughs> there it is. <laughs> A nice thing. <laughs> <laughs>